All right, give it up for these guys. Give it up for these guys. If you're a musician and you'd like to be in this, talk to Chris uh, about that. Um, I know we're, we're running late tonight. Usually we want to be done by now, but because the Chick-fil-A was late, we're a little bit later. So I hope you can stick around and just uh, briefly stay with me. Um, we've been doing this series called Conversations with Jesus. And we've been looking at different ultimate questions and issues that people in the Gospels came up to Jesus with. Tonight is about doubt. Uh, tonight is about um, being in a place where you're not sure if this Christianity thing is really the thing. Um, and so we're going to look at a passage in Luke chapter 7. So if you have your Bibles, uh, go ahead and turn there. And I'm going to try to turn there as well. And uh, we're going to look at this interesting passage where John the Baptist is in prison and his disciples come up to Jesus uh, and basically say, hey, uh, are you the one who is to come or should we be expecting someone else? And so... Um, Let me read this and we'll go from there. But let me pray first. Lord, thanks so much for tonight. Thank you for the worship, Lord, for the food, for just uh, being able to hang out for a little bit um, and be refreshed. I pray that you would refresh us with your word and your spirit in Jesus' name. Amen. So this is Luke chapter 7, uh, 18 to 35. Hear God's word. The disciples of John reported all these things to him and John The Baptist, calling two of his disciples to him, sent them to the Lord, saying, Are you the one who is to come, or shall we look for another? And when the men had come to him, they said, John the Baptist has sent us to you, saying, Are you the one who is to come, or should we look for another? In that hour, he, Jesus, healed many people of of diseases and plagues and evil spirits, and on many who were blind he bestowed sight. And he answered them, Go and tell John what you have seen and heard. The blind receive their sight, the lame walk, lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear, the dead are raised up, the poor have the good news preached to them. And blessed is the one who is not offended by me. When John's messengers had gone, Jesus began to speak to the crowds concerning John. What did you go out into the wilderness to see? A reed shaken by the wind? What then did you go out to see? A man dressed in soft clothing? Behold, those who are dressed in splendid clothing and live in luxury are in king's courts. Excuse me. What then did you go out to see? A prophet? Yes. And I tell you, more than a prophet, this is he of whom it is written, Behold, I send my messenger before your face, and he will prepare your way before you. I tell you, among those born of women, none is greater than John. Yet the one who is least in the kingdom of God is greater than he. When all the people heard this, and the tax collectors too, they declared God just, having been baptized with the baptism of John. But the Pharisees and the lawyers rejected the purpose of God for themselves, not having been baptized by him. To what then shall I compare the people of this generation, and what are they like? They are like children sitting in the marketplace and calling to to one another, We played the flute for you, and you did not dance. We sang a dirge, and you did not weep. For John the Baptist has come eating no bread and drinking no wine, and you say, he has a demon. The Son of Man has come eating and drinking, and you say, look at him, a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. Yet wisdom 
is justified by all her children. So doubt. Uh, when I was in St. Louis, a, a good friend of mine um, taught with me at a, at a Christian school there, and she told me about the time that she was overwhelmed with doubt. And she had grown up in a Christian home. Uh, she went to a private, Christ, private Christian schooling. She went to a private Christian college. And while she was at college, she did a, a study abroad in England. And when she was in England, she was with all kinds of people that believed all kinds of different things. And she made great friends with them, and she really liked these people. Uh, but they didn't believe in the Christian world and life view. They didn't believe in Jesus. And this caused a great deal of tension and doubt for her because she was coming out of like exclusive Christian background and now she's confronted with, there's a lot of really cool people that I'm meeting, but they don't believe the same things I believe. How do I deal with this? Is Jesus the only way? And uh, if you're here at the University of Maryland, uh, I guarantee you, you've probably felt that too. You sense that uh, maybe you've grown up in the church, maybe you've grown up in a Christian uh, home, and now you come to Maryland and it's like you're, you know, you're a little fish in a huge sea. And most of the people around here don't necessarily believe what you believe. Uh, they, they, and, and so this idea that uh, Jesus is the only way, truth, and a life is very inconsistent with what kind of our university culture would say. They would say, when it comes to religious belief, and our culture would say this, that it's whatever you choose. That how dare you say that one religion is better or more true than something else. So this is a fundamental thing that you've got to wrestle with. Because Jesus makes bold claims of, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. So you have these exclusive claims, but then when we enter into our world, you have all these wonderful people out there, maybe people that are even more moral than you. And are more, almost more, you know, better people, better quality, and yet they don't believe in Jesus. So how do you deal with that? And that's what my friend was dealing with, and it shook her faith. And so... We are going to think about this question um, as we, we look into this issue of doubt in this passage. I'm going to kind of give you just a broad brush of how to, de- how to think about doubts. We're not going to be able to answer all the doubts that you have, but I would love, if you have doubts, if you have doubts about the faith, man, this is the time to deal with them. Uh, this is the time to like talk to me, talk to Drew Dempsey, Talk to other people in here that you know are believers. Because this, this, the goal of our, our group is to be a loving family who like allows questions, allows doubts, allows struggles so that you can work through those things. Um, because what I've found is, is that people that don't deal with their doubts, they come out. They come out later down the line. They come out when you go through trial. They come out when you go through a bad breakup. They come out when you... Uh, have a death in the family. They come out when you're struggling. Okay? And so this is the time to deal with them. Um, and there's nothing wrong with that. And so here's how we're going to... This, so this is called dealing with doubt. So the first thing is the normalcy of doubt. The normalcy of doubt is what we see in the Bible. So the fact that John the Baptist even suffered with doubt and questioning Jesus, that should encourage you. That should encourage you. Why? Because 
John the Baptist, Jesus just said, John the ba- of women born, there's no one greater than John the Baptist. Okay, so here's basically the last prophet of the Old Testament who was pointing to Jesus saying, there he is. Remember, he baptized Jesus. And at that time, he was like, there, there he is, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. There's no doubts at all Okay, in his mind. And Jesus is, and now he's coming to this place of incredible doubt. So you've got the greatest prophet going through incredible doubt when Jesus is on the scene. He didn't know. But it's interesting, Jesus treats him with incredible grace. And so as you look through the scriptures, um, it's filled with biblical characters that have doubt and unbelief. Um, I mean, you can go all the way back to some of the heroes of the faith. Moses, right? He gets the call of God. And he's like, no, I can't do it, Lord. Uh, I'm a man of slow speech. There's no way I can lead the people of Israel. Uh, there's characters. You see the brokenness of Abraham. Uh, Abraham didn't trust in God's promise instead and went and slept with Hagar, okay? Uh, so he doubted God's promise. Um, the Psalms are filled with these characters who are saying, God, where are you? God, why are you letting this happen? Uh, how long, O Lord? Uh, they are crying out. Most of the Psalms are laments. They're cries saying, where are you, God? And so what we have, the record of the Scriptures is we have a lot of doubters. We have a lot of people that are doing this with their faith and they're really struggling. And there's a normalcy to that in our life. And so I want to encourage you, if you're dealing with doubt right now and you're suffering with doubt, just just relax. Okay, just relax. Because this is the picture we see of saints in the Bible. Okay? Now, we want to get to resolve... But we have to acknowledge first that it's okay to doubt. It's okay to question. Okay, it's okay to be totally honest with God because you got to do that. If you if you just suppress all your questions and pretend to be a Christian, in about three or four years you will not be a Christian. If you just pretend that all of these things are maybe down here and you're, you're not sure about and you don't start like thinking about them and dealing with them, they're going to come out and you're just going to say like. I don't believe any of this. So you want to use the questions and use the doubts as this is normal in a broken world. This is normal for Christians to go through. This is really what all these characters in the Bible are going through. They're going through incredible amounts of doubt. Job. Okay? Just for instance. All of these characters, if you look at them, suffered with this. And so if you're suffering with doubt, that's normal. John the Baptist, the greatest of women suffered with doubt. Now, I don't want to just leave you there, okay? Now, why did he suffer with doubt? He was in prison uh, for preaching and baptizing, and Herod, okay, was ticked at him. And he especially didn't like the fact that John the Baptist was telling Herod, you're sleeping with your brother's wife. Stop it. And so, Herod didn't like that. Herod throws John the Baptist in prison. And if you go on in the Gospels, you know the, the rest of the story, John the Baptist's head ends up on a platter, Okay? Um, pretty gruesome. Uh, it's, but this is the John the Baptist here, and he was suffering. He had believed in Jesus, but now he's been in prison for a while. And uh, here's the thing. He thought Jesus was going to bring in his kingdom in a different way. We're going to get to that in a second. Um, so the, the second thing is the second thing here is this. Uh, there's hope for doubters, and there's evidence. There's hope for doubters and there's evidence. 
And so you should use your doubt to seek and don't just sit in it. And so if you're doubting, don't just sit there. Seek Jesus. We have all these scriptures that talk about uh, seek and you shall find. Right. Knocking the door shall be open. Uh, Ask and it shall be given. Um, In the Old Testament, there's these passages where it talks about if from here you seek the Lord, you will find him if you seek him with all your heart. God is, God is a God who loves to bless people who seek after Him and reveal Himself to people who seek after Him. So if you're really honest and you're like saying, I want to know God and I want to be assured of, my, of, this, of this book. I want to be assured of this Jesus. Say to Him, Lord, reveal Yourself to me. I'm seeking Your face. Help me. Um, so use your doubts as kind of a flag to say, I'm going to God to try to get resolve. Also, Use your doubts to talk to other people uh, who've gone down those roads. I've got, I've, I have stories of doubt. Okay, uh, I've been through that a lot. Um, but here's the beautiful thing about this passage. So these disciples show up with John the Baptist, and they ask what John wanted them to ask. Are you the one we should uh, look for? Is there someone else? Is there another Messiah? Because it doesn't seem like you're doing what the Messiah is supposed to do. But here's the thing. Jesus gives evidence to John and, and the disciples. He says this, 21 and 23. In that hour, he healed many people uh, of diseases and plagues and evil spirits. And on many who were blind, he bestowed sight. And he answered them, Go and tell John what you have seen and heard. The blind receive sight. The lame walk. Lepers are cleansed and the deaf hear. The dead are raised up. The poor have good news preached to them. And blessed is the one who is not offended by me. So what is he doing? He's showing evidences that Jesus is not just a nice guy with a robe and some pretty sandals, okay, walking around doing tricks. That Jesus is literally doing things that only God could do. He's he's raising the dead. (laughs) He's healing people that are born blind. Uh, he's doing things that only God can do. And so he's showing the disciples of John these miracles. And he's, and he's saying, this is what I've been doing. And in fact, uh, believe on the evidence. If you can't believe what I'm saying, Jesus says elsewhere in John, at least believe the miracles that it's pointing that I am God. That only God can do these things. But this is, let's just sit there for a second. This is amazing. We have a God who reveals himself from Genesis to Revelation. We have a God that doesn't just sit out in space or in in some other heavenly world and say, figure it out for yourself. We don't have a God uh, who just says, you know, it's blind faith. No. What we have all through the Scriptures is God showing up. We have God revealing Himself through the creation, but also specially, special revelation, breaking in and saying, this is who I am. This is my word. Look at these miracles. He takes Egypt or Israel out of Egypt, right? Does all these miracles, the plagues, etc. The prophets had all these amazing powers and, and did Elijah, Elisha, do all these incredible things. And so, and then ultimately Jesus shows up and shows this is the Son of God who's doing these things. And so, this is amazing. God is speaking, not just speaking, but He is coming. The Word of God made flesh, and He's doing things to say. Hang your, you know, hook on to this. You know, if you're a climber or any wall climbers out there, you know, like a hand hold, right? Or a foot hold, a toe hold. Uh, he's saying, like, these, this is the evidence that I am real. Believe 
believe on this. But also, too, he takes them to the Scriptures because a lot of these things that Jesus is doing are, are their fulfillment of prophecies. And if you look in Isaiah, in fact, if you have a Bible that has the cross-references, basically what Jesus is doing is the same things that were prophesied by Isaiah 700 years before about who the Messiah is. He says in Isaiah 29, "...in that day the deaf shall hear." the words of a book, and out of their gloom and darkness the eyes of the blind shall see. Isaiah 35.5 Then the eyes of the blind shall be opened, the ears of the deaf unstopped. Then shall the lame man leap like a deer, and the tongue of the mute sing for joy. So what he's doing is John knew his Old Testament. John was a prophet. And he's saying, I'm doing the very things that Isaiah 700 years before said I was going to do. Remember the Scriptures, John. I know you're suffering. I know you're in prison. I know that it looks really dark. And you're going to have your head cut off. But remember the Scriptures. Remember the Scriptures. This is your... This is I'm fulfilling that. It is me. I am true. And so how do you deal with doubt? Well, don't just sit. Seek God uh, and read the Scriptures. Read the Scriptures. Because the Holy Spirit works through these Scriptures to give life and to reveal the truth and to answer questions and to answer some of the deepest things that are on your heart and mind and to show you that Jesus is real and He's alive. But if you like say, hey, I'm not going to do it, I'm just going to try to figure out, you're going to be in trouble. Because uh, God, God has revealed this Word to us to give us hope. Uh, now, the third thing is this. So, we talked about normalcy of doubt. We talked about uh, there's evidences for the doubter. Okay? Um, but the last thing is this. Um, challenge your false ideas. Everyone in here, including me, is believing something right now. If you're believing your doubts, that's a faith endeavor. Right? If you're saying the supernatural is... Or, or if you're saying that uh, the natural world and science is all there is... How do you know that? Have you been everywhere in the universe and seen that that is true? Remember, we're finite, right? And so you kind of have to take every doubt that you have and turn it on its edge and say, uh, that's kind of a faith statement too. Am I going to just kind of believe these things out there or am I going to, or am I going to trust what God has said, the creator of the universe, the one who is, is given the Scriptures over a period of 1,600 years, okay, uh, this God who has shown up. And so, challenge your ideas. For John the Baptist, he had false ideas about the Messiah. We know that John thought that Jesus was going to come in power and glory and make Israel great again. Okay, this is what he believed. He believed that Jesus is going to come riding in. He's going to crush the Roman dictators. And he is going to set up an earthly kingdom. That's what he thought was going to happen. And so he's in prison. He's like, hey, what's going on? You're supposed to conquer. You're supposed to uh, kill all your enemies. Okay, but this was a false view. Uh, he wanted revolution and judgment. And Jesus is giving him the radical picture of the first coming. The first coming of Jesus is one as a servant, a suffering servant, who's ultimately going to go to the cross and is going to die 
for the sins of his people. And John, he said, this is the Lamb of God who takes away the, the sins of the world. But through the prison, something changed. And, he, and the doubts reigned. And he felt like he had, a, he had a different view. He thought Jesus' kingdom was going to be judgment the first time. That's the second time. When Jesus comes again, there will be judgment day. There will be God setting up His, His heavenly court. But for this first coming, it's Jesus coming as a suffering servant. Living the life that we were meant to live, loving God and other people, and dying the death that we deserved. Ultimately, He's saying the cross. And Jesus says in this passage, Blessed is the one who is not offended by Me. In 23, blessed is the one who is not offended by me. This is the this is the thing about the gospel; it offends us because it says you got to admit you're broken, you got to admit you're a sinner. That deep down, underneath all of your doubts, there's probably unbelief and sin as well. There's probably a commitment to this whatever those ideas, those faith commitments you have. And Jesus is saying you have to look at that boldly, and you have to say. I'm bringing that before you, Lord, but I want you. I want your gospel. I want that hope. Um, and so, Jesus is giving uh, a different picture to John. A radical picture of the gospel is not about power. It's about weakness. It's not about coming and slaying the enemies. It's, it's about, come, I'm going to come and let the enemies kill me. So that you and I could truly have life. So that we could truly know uh, who Jesus is. And so ultimately, this is about the cross. Uh, it's about being offended by Jesus as this suffering servant. And in this passage, it talks about how um, you know Jesus came at the end. The Son of Man, that's Jesus, has come eating and drinking. And you say, look at him, a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. People were offended by Jesus because they, they didn't understand what was going on. They thought, okay, Jesus, you know, John was thinking Jesus is going to come set up his kingdom, and, and here he is with tax collectors and sinners. Why? Because it's an upside down kingdom. He's saying, I've come for broken people. I've come for sinners. I've come for doubters. I've come for unbelievers. And I've come to make them mine. Um, and so, doubt. How do we deal with it? Ultimately, it comes down. Uh, to this upside-down gospel which challenges us uh, to know that we're a sinner. Um, and that, but, but yet, there's so much grace here because we know that Jesus is the one that died for sinners and rose for sinner, sinners and is coming back for sinners. So, let's talk about your doubts. Okay, Let's have a one-on-one. Let's think through them. Don't be afraid to voice them. I've, I have plenty Everybody does. And so, um, this is the time. This is the place to, uh, to think through them. So let me pray. Lord, thank You for this conversation of John the Baptist, Lord, with Jesus uh, in his doubt and how You ministered and gave evidences that You are who You said You are. But it's so radical, it's so different that the King of the universe uh, would dine with sinners and tax collectors. But yet, that's what You came to do, Lord, to deal with our sin and brokenness. So, Lord, help us with our doubt. Lord, help us not to be overwhelmed by them. 
to run to you, uh, to talk about them, to seek your face and seek your word. And we lift that up in Jesus' name. Amen.